Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash bookshow. Then go over to morbidlybeautiful.com as we are now part of the Morbidly Beautiful Podcasting Network. Santa Claus tonight, you better run, boy. You better run for your life. But Mother Superior is Santa Claus. Now I have another reason to hate Christmas. Now that hell is full, I wonder where you will go. The caller is in the house. The calls are coming from the house. You're my family now. But if you're bad boys and girls, your name goes in the bad boys and girls book, and I'll bring you something horrible. Yes, Virginia. There is a Santa Claus. The All-American Spook Show Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the All-American Spook Show Podcast. I'm Josh and I'm joined here with Donnie. Hey. And the Professor Smoke. yippee ki <laughs> I was wondering how long it would take somebody to, say, to, to do that today. <laughs> and it's right out the gate. So, you know, th- <laughs> thanks for getting that out of the way. It's a point. Uh, Will is still under the weather. He wasn't able to uh, come to the recording today, so uh, we're going to power on without him, and hopefully we'll get his thoughts very soon here for the latest Cult Corner Die Hard from 1988. So what better way to truly kick off the holiday season now that we've already had our turkey and our peas and everything else that comes along with Thanksgiving and <laughs> chicken, apparently. Yeah, Thanksgiving chicken. Thanksgiving chicken. Thanksgiving chicken. You, 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 got, you came around the cornucopia in the middle of the table and you ate your chicken and turkey and all the rest. Now that you're full, <laughs> your belly's full, you're, you're tired of eating the leftovers. Like you, you've, you've already had that like four days straight now. You're tired of that shit. You know, you, you at least have to wait until Christmas before you get more ham and turkey and all that. But we're, we're not serving turkey today. We've got a big one. Die Hard 1988. This... this <laughs> I mean, it, do you want to have the discussion right out the gate whether this is a Christmas yeah. movie or not? I mean, let's. It that's is. what I think. I think we probably, we probably should just get right to it, right? <laughs> yeah, just fuck it. Throw caution to the wind. Let's get to it. What do, what do you think, Smoke? Yeah, I'm definitely I'm in the camp of it being a Christmas movie. Of you know, it's not, it's not out. It's not Christmas Vacation. I think people get a little yeah. bit too carried away when they they, they want to argue that it's not. No, it's not a holiday movie. It's set during the holidays. You got Christmas music playing at various points in it. Including uh, Christmas of Hollis Queens, right? Uh, the Run DMC song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you got you know Christmas decorations. I mean, it's it's present. It's present more in this movie than it is even in some horror movies that are considered uh, uh, you know Christmas horror movies or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I definitely am in the camp of of it being something. Now I watch it anytime. It's not one of those movies where you can only watch. You know, I watch it any time of year, of course, but. It has become a tradition to watch it around the holidays too. <laughs> Donnie, what do you think? Christmas movie? Yeah or nay? Oh yeah, don't let anyone tell you differently. Um, this is absolutely a Christmas movie, and it's yeah. now if you want to me, if you want to have a discussion, you could have a, a, a debate between this one and Lethal Weapon because you know Lethal Weapon, I believe, does take place at Christmas, right? But it doesn't play really a role in it. Like you know, there's barely a mention of it. So I think yeah. I think therein lies the difference is like you said, Smoke. This this plays heavy into the movie. Now there is the the part of the debate where you could say, just to play devil's advocate for a second, that this could happen. This incident could have happened at any time of the year, right? It's not because Christmas this happens, right? 
I mean, like th- these guys could decide a random day in July to mm-hmm. take over Nakatomi Tower and you know do what they did, right? So there is that side of it where you you might get that argument from some people, right? Like, well, it, it didn't take Christmas to make this happen. That being true, sa- true. that that being said, though, I think it's still a Christmas movie to me. It pl- it plays very heavy in it, like you said, the music, that just the whole vibe of the movie, even though. It's an action thriller. It's definitely a, a Christmassy type of movie, if it makes sense, and what's going on in certain aspects of it. Maybe not the whole theme of the movie, obviously, but it plays. It's there. So, yeah, I think we all agree here. This is a this is a Christmas movie. And, and in that spirit, welcome to the holiday season from the Spook Show gang here with, yeah. here with Die Hard and, and our latest cult corner, like I said. Um, but before we get too much deeper into it, you know, and, and we'll explain our, our feelings and thoughts and Everything else is going to be connected to Die Hard here in just a minute. We want to uh, get you to go on over and visit our new website, aaspookshow.com. That's pretty much the landing spot for everything in the Spook Show universe. You've got our, our YouTube channel, all of our social networks, of course. You've got our Public page. You've got our Patreon, patreon.com slash aaspookshow, you know, if you'd rather just go straight there. Um, it's all there in one central location. Lots of cool stuff for you to check out, and we're, and we're always constantly updating it so we encourage you to go check out aaspookshow.com and if you want to email us or you know message us of course dms over on any of the socials but if you want to email us it's allamericanspookshow at gmail.com so without any further ado we'll go ahead and toss it the trailer for die hard we thank you one and all and wish you a merry christmas and a happy new year it's christmas eve in la but a team of terrorists you want money kind of terrorists are you? Who said we were terrorists? Have their own holiday plans. And I'm telling you, you're just going to have to kill me. Okay. We do it the hard way. But the one thing they didn't plan on was New York cop John McLean. Got invited to the Christmas party by mistake. Who knew? Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, mother... And you'll have it. They have already killed one hostage. This channel is reserved for emergency calls only. Lady, do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? Come to Papa, honey. Are you really an American? Only if New Jersey counts. What does he think he's doing? Good job. He's an easy guy to like. Welcome to the party, pal. And a hard man to kill. Bruce Willis. Die Hard. Alright, so there's that. So this movie premiered July 12th, 1988. And it was released July 15th, so just three days later in 88, on limited release. And then it opened wide five days later, so the next week, July 20th, 1988. It was produced by Gordon Company and Silver Pictures and distributed by 20th Century Fox. Of course, this movie is rated R. If you've ever watched this movie, you'll know this is a rated R movie. Total, total runtime of two hours and 12 minutes, which seems really long. Right, it seems really long, but this movie is doesn't feel like two hours and twelve minutes. No, no, I I, I was I was shocked by that. When, you know, a little over two hours, it, yeah. it zips by. Yeah, you know, 
Unlike, for instance, the movie that we watched last week, Black Friday, can you imagine if the runtime on that movie was two hours and 12 minutes? I mean, that's almost damn near an hour longer than Black Friday was, by, you know, shy of, what, 10 minutes or so. So can you imagine, Donnie? Like an hour more of that? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? I mean, yeah, I can, and I, I just I don't like it. But then again, maybe it would have had enough time to, uh, you know, hear the people bitching about their lives a little bit longer. Yeah, that's <laughs> well, no, it's just like, you know, for all the missed opportunities that that was, okay. well, maybe. maybe they could have, uh, made up. Well, but, this movie you know, is, I, this movie is the direct opposite of that. As far as like oh, setting, yeah. setting things up and paying them off all throughout the movie. I mean, we'll Bam. get into it, but, yeah. uh, on IMDb, it's listed as an action slash thriller. Uh, the movie was filmed in, in and around Los Angeles, pretty much in Los Angeles at various locations, Los Angeles, California, of course, November 2nd, 1987, all the way through March 4th of 1988. Now, I'm sure that wasn't straight through. I'm sure there were brief periods, probably through the holidays and whatnot, where they, uh, you know, stopped because that's a long filming period. But it was done for a budget of $28 million, which that's got to be like one of the higher budgets we've ever, you know, not maybe not ever, but it's got to be on the higher end of budgets for movies we talk about, right? <laughs> Very rarely. Like, it, most of the it, movies we talk about, well, they did this for 650 grand, you know. And uh, I think 5 million of that was Bruce Willis's cut. <laughs> and that's crazy. That was what he was paying. And, and even that's crazy because he wasn't like what he became after this, right? Like he wasn't top of the heap yet, was he? I mean, what, what was he known for before this? Like uh, Moonlighting? Something like that. Yeah. Like they, did he do that movie Blind Date before this? Remember that movie? <laughs> that was comedy. That comedy yeah, comedy. he he did do that movie. I don't I don't know. I don't actually remember when when that movie was. But for a you know, this was clearly his star making. This is like what took him from zero to sixty, so to speak, right? He, known guy yeah. to all of a sudden everybody knows who this dude is. This is the movie that did it. Um, but it had for that budget of twenty eight million, it grossed worldwide one hundred and forty one point six million dollars. So. Made all that $28 million back and then some. They were swimming in a, a Uncle Scrooge's money bin after after it was all said and done in this one. And if you count in the entire franchise that follows up, and we'll go through that here in just a second. But before we do that, I'm going to go back to not, not when it had the limited release, but when it opened up wide. So this would be July 22nd through the 24th. It's first, you know, true weekend of where it had been out, you know, in more theaters. This is the top 10 that weekend. July 22nd through the 24th, 1988. Number 10, Bull Durham. Number nine, mm. big. So a couple big ones right out the gate for sure. Number eight, not, not so big. Caddyshack two. <laughs> that's that's crapster piece material. Oh, Caddyshack two. Like as the much as I, that nobody wanted. Well, the sequel that a lot of people wanted, but this is the shit we gave you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, you want you want you want a, a similar premise with almost no one that was in the first one? Here you go. <laughs> Uh, number and how many years later? <laughs> oh, yeah, God, what is that? That was 88, so that's what, uh, eight, seven, I mean, I'm sorry, eight or nine years later, yeah. Um, number seven, Big Top Pee-wee. <laughs> that's awesome. Number six, And that was in its opening weekend. Both those movies, by the way, Big Top Pee-wee and Caddyshack 2 were open this weekend. Number six, Bambi. It was the uh, re-release. I'm not sure how many re-releases it had at that point, but it was in its <laughs> second week of re-release back then. Kids, this was before Netflix and everything, so like <laughs> sometimes you didn't get to see them. You know, if you didn't go rent them at the v- you know the at the rental store, or you didn't own a copy of it on VHS or something, you probably didn't get to see Bambi a lot of times. So Disney, especially, would tend to re-release some older movies back during this time period because you couldn't just go to Disney Plus and watch it. So that's what was going on there. 
I doubt any kids are actually listening to our show. True. True. But I don't I don't look at the, know. I don't look that deep into the stats as far <laughs> as far as our age bracket, but yeah, you're probably right. I yeah, I do. It's uh, uh parents, you know. if your kid happens to be listening while you're listening, <laughs> this is the way it was done. Uh number five also opened up this week, Midnight Run. Number four, the Deadpool. And that doesn't have anything to do with Deadpool. Just the Deadpool. Isn't that a Bronson movie or a Eastwood movie? What's that? Uh, that was Eastwood, yeah, Eastwood uh, yeah. Dirty Harry movie. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I knew, I knew I had one or the other. One that had Guns N' Roses song, Guns N' Roses song, maybe Slash was in the movie too. I don't know. I, 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 man, <laughs> it's been forever since I watched any of those uh, Dirty Harry movies. Uh, number three, Die Hard. Uh, it made $7.1 million, so uh, between that and what it had made the previous week in limited release, it, it just broke $10 million this week. So, it, you know, like I said, this was, I'm, I'm mentioning this week because this is the one where it opened wide. Because it was 16th the, the week before. Uh, number two, Coming to America. Fucking classic, right? And yeah. number one, another classic, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? And that's actually up from number three the previous week. So, yeah, I mean, th- there were there were, there were were a lot of other good movies playing at the time as well, such as Short Circuit 2, Crocodile Dundee 2. I don't know if that's a good one. Uh, License to Drive. Uh, the Great Outdoors, classic John Candy, Dan Aykroyd flick that was playing at the time. So yeah, there was there was some competition, and a lot of comedies too, right? Out of the ones that I just read, a lot of comedies playing at the time. So Die Hard certainly would have stood out, and the fact that it's in the middle of the summer, you know, this is like a big blockbuster type of movie, right? Uh, that that also leads me. Or I was I was thinking about you know the whole Christmas debate thing. A lot of times people are like. Well, if it were really a Christmas movie, it would have came out in December, you know. But no, at, this, at that time, even now, but especially then, this was a summer blockbuster movie. No yeah. matter what season is going on in the movie, it's coming out in the summertime. Yeah. You know, because they weren't around with that kind of money back then, especially, you know. And, and I was, uh, I would have just been, you know, turned eight at the time when this came out. And even I remember that, you know, not only this coming out, but like, the, you know, the everybody talking about it and stuff like that, even around that time period. So, yeah, this was a big deal when it came out. And I think it's one of those ones that kind of grew week by week too. You know, like I don't have the whole breakdown yeah. here, but I think it, it actually gained steam the the longer it was out kind of movie. It's, it's not like a lot of movies are today where like, you know, say for instance, uh, we just had uh, the latest black Panther, Wakanda forever just came out, you know, recently that yeah. odds are that's going to go down. Right. And it's not shitting on the movie or anything. I just mean the way they, the way that it, it, it is now, everybody goes that first week. And then maybe the second mm. week, but then after that, everything dies. You know, whereas back then, man, a movie would play for three, four, five, six months, and then actually, in some cases, gain. You know, over yeah. time, it was just a different game then. Yeah, it was just like a different uh, level of. You know, I mean, we have just about all ages uh, listen to us. You know, but uh, uh, with you know, with the exception of kids, but <laughs> um, obviously, but. Um, but no, it's like there wasn't, there was no streaming. There was no, you know, I mean, VHS was expensive as shit. Yeah, to buy it. Yeah. I mean, th- yeah. the only way, you know, say that this thing got released on VHS later, you know, later on, the only way you were watching it was renting it or buying it. And like you said, those were expensive options. Now, granted by this time period, things had come down to a, a level where you could probably afford to buy it, but still. It was um, like 30 bucks. Yeah, even you know? then, yeah, probably. Still something like that, you know? And you had to really love that fucking movie. Yeah. More often than and, not back then, you know, people would just tape it. You know, like you would wait until it came on HBO or whatever the hell, and then you would just tape it and then just watch the hell out of yeah. it that way. You know, that was the way more there often. There is that. Yeah. Or, you know, you just went and rented it a bunch of times at the 
at the the local rental store or blockbuster or something like that but um but yeah anyways yeah so like th- this movie made tons of money no question about that uh it was directed by John McTiernan uh who had done Predator right before this and uh he went on to do The Hunt for Red October Last Action Hero which I, I'm of the opinion that's an underrated underrated action, uh you know Arnold Schwarzenegger flick and um awesome soundtrack too yeah yeah no doubt and, and that- uh- and I think that's one that we'll get to here on Colt Corner or some other yep. some other method. We'll, we'll get to Last Action Hero sooner or later. He also, yeah, I think that movie was, that was of, uh, of it the time period it came out in. I guess people shitting on it, you know, because it was what ninety one, two, three, well ninety two, three, somewhere in there. Somewhere, yeah, ninety two. Kind of Schwarzenegger's, you know, peak of his yes of his action career, so to speak. And that, yeah, I think that's why I think like a lot of people re- reevaluated that movie. And that's you know, Last Action like, Hero came out in '93. Yeah, and that sounds about right. And that that uh, movie was very meta, which was ahead of its time, you know. I think in a lot of ways, like yeah. there weren't a lot of movies other than like parody movies, right? You had Airplane, and you had movies like that that kind of like it's a parody of a movie that you know pokes fun at it, right? But this one is like Scream in a lot of ways. It's very meta, but for an action flick, you know, it's it's mm. it's, it's kind of making fun of poking fun, not making fun, but poking fun at the genre and all the tropes and everything. So, like, I think in a lot of ways that one was ahead of its time in that regard. Um, but John McTiernan, he directed, after he directed that, he actually came back to Die Hard and he did the third one, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Um, this movie, like all the other Die Hard movies, were based on uh, novels by Roderick Thorpe. Uh, apparently there was a, uh, I didn't read deep into him, but apparently he had some uh, novels that were uh, called McLean or something like that, and that's what you know, all this stuff is based mm-hmm. on, uh, the screenplay was written by Jeb Stewart who had worked, who had uh, written the fugitive, uh, another St- uh, Stallone classic lockup. Uh, he wrote another 48 hours and, uh, also Stephen E. D'Souza who had wrote 48 hours in commando. So a lot of the same DNA here with, you know, your Stallone, your eighties and nineties, Stallone flicks, Schwarzenegger flicks. Uh, you know, and I think it shows on the screen, right? Like, this this is what you're getting. Mm-hmm. It's the big epic action flicks of the '80s, and you get this one. Th- this is probably, in my mind, one of the better ones of the time. So, um, but yeah, that as yeah. far as and I think, go ahead. Yeah, you know, Bruce Willis was like controversial. <laughs> I think yeah, because he hadn't done any ac- any action like this yet. So yeah, you would think that was kind of like you would think at the time in 1988. This is like this has got Stallone or Schwarzenegger written all over it, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think probably a lot of people were thinking that, and, I, and that's probably one of the reasons I, I'm just kind of speculating here that's of why it picked up steam the further it went in because that out of the gate, yeah, it did well out of the gate, but you probably had a lot of people that were like, "Who's Bruce Willis? Oh, he's done this moonlight moonlighting guy, you know? He's yeah, like, yeah. he's action hero now or whatever." And then the word of mouth got out about how good it was, and then it probably picked up steam. That that's my would be my speculation on yeah. it because I know that at the time, you know, I was a little older. I was a teen. I think I was what. Uh, 15 or so at the time when this came out. So I remember that, that I just remember the backlash kind of on like Bruce Willis, really an action star. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> then bam, here you go. Motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> motherfuckers. Ah, there it is. I got the whole thing out. Uh, but yeah, that's all like that. I mean, there's tons of background stuff on this and I mean, we're not going to dive deep into all the stuff because there's a lot. I mean, you, you could, we could probably go on for two hours, you know, just on the background of some of this, but oh, yeah. that's all the, some yeah. of the stuff I dug up on the surface. What, what, what else did you guys unearth? Um, there was actually, uh, there was a, um, Al Leong 
Um, he's one of the most recognizable henchmen from action movies of the 80s and 90s. Um, he actually has his own documentary um, called Henchman, the Al Leong story. Uh, it's available on Prime. You can, you know, rent it or, you know, watch it, watch it there. Um, I mean, it's kind of like I, I guess this may be in a, uh, uh, in a, uh, an obscure kind of know, probably not really obscure, but maybe we do a spook, spook show, uh, spotlight on, you know, something like a henchman or something, you know, I don't know. It might be kind of interesting. Uh, and then also, uh, there was a diehard trilogy, uh, video game for uh, PS one. It actually made its, uh, made its way to, uh, greatest hits. Um, I actually, <laughs> I own it. Um, yeah, it's, it, I mean, I, I still enjoy it. I mean, I, I don't play it often, mm-hmm. um, but I, you know, during the time that we've, uh, you know, watched and uh, I, I actually did, you know, give it another, give it another whirl and it, it's still fun, still very playable. Um, also, there was a uh, shot with uh, McLean with the touchscreen. Um, so the Star Trek films uh, and TV show came out in 1966 they were one of the first, um, you know, films and TV shows that showed a touchscreen. Hmm. You know, people interacting with uh, touchscreens. Yeah. Um, also, this is also kind of background. Um, and it it took me a long time to realize that this was not Huey Lewis. <laughs> you mean that uh, guy, the, one of the henchmen, the guy the, yeah. that was behind the yeah. counter? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actor Dennis Hayden looks a hell of a lot like Huey Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought it was Huey Lewis for decades. You know, I'd never thought about that. Like, I always just kind of figured the guy looked familiar. But now that you say that, yeah, yeah, he, he definitely. I thought like it was Huey Lewis, Lewis for yeah. the longest time. Yeah. And it wasn't <laughs> until this week I realized it wasn't Huey Lewis. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, it's a, cause I kept, I was like, wait a second, Huey Lewis, I remember this. And then I looked at, looked for him in the credits, you know, cause I was doing the Crypt Connections. I was like, I didn't see Huey Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I went back and I was like, holy shit, Dennis Hayden. So yeah, yeah. There, was, there was a time where like, uh, I don't remember who it was. Somebody was trying to argue with me that Will Ferrell was in like one of the RoboCop movies. I'm like, there's no fucking way that that, you know, like the time, it just doesn't match up. There's no way. Yeah. And then the, the, finally, like uh, somebody showed me like the the movie, whichever one it was. I want to say it, ma- it might have been a RoboCop three. Shows me the guy. It's not Will Ferrell, but he he definitely looks like Will Ferrell, you know. <laughs> and I looked it up, and like, sure enough, it's not him. But yeah, I mean, you see that sometimes, you know. There's some guys that look yeah. exactly like something, especially back then too, you know, right in the eighties and nineties and stuff, where it wasn't as easy as just I'll, I'll hop over to IMDb and look at their entire filmography. Yeah. Like, you know, that's not the way it was. So like. Yeah, when you saw a guy, you're like, oh, he looks like Huey Lewis. And then you just get it in your head. Yeah, yeah. Huey Lewis was in Die Hard, right? <laughs> and then somebody years later is like, no. <laughs> your mind is made up that that's a fact. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's um, like, well, there's there's a name for it. I don't think it's, it's not the, uh, it's not the butterfly effect. Maybe it is. Is it the uh, Helsinki syndrome? You know, from Helsinki, <laughs> Sweden? Oh, yeah. Helsinki, Sweden. Uh, Finland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, th- I, I failed to mention. You know, well, we we talked about it briefly, but this did spawn four more sequels after this one. Mm, yeah. Um, 
Die Hard 2 came out July 4th, 1990, so just two years later. Die Hard with a Vengeance came out May 19th, 1995. Live Free or Die Hard came out June 27th, 2007. So that was 12 years after the third one. And then they wrapped it up with A Good Day to Die Hard on February 14th, 2013. So <laughs> you can tell which one of these doesn't fit the other. Like All the rest of these were like big summer blockbuster type flicks. And then after I think the fourth one came out and was kind of disappointing, they they eventually came back around and made the fifth one. But then they, it came out on Valentine's Day where generally movies go to die. You know, like movies, big movies like this especially get made and come out in February. That's not the prime box office season for big movies. So yeah, I, I, you know, without looking up the numbers, yeah, I think that was, that was, uh, they should have left well enough alone after the third one. That's the conclusion that I come to. Another thing they, I, they uh, to come back with, uh, to bring Hans Gruber back, reanimate him from the dead, you know, like, <laughs> Oh, reanimator. I see you. <laughs> for those who maybe don't know, uh, Hans Gruber is also a character name in a uh, reanimator. In the first reanimator in the very the opening scene that takes place in i guess in germany right <laughs> there's a hans gruber there with no connection to this hans gruber. yeah uh reanimator came out was released in 1985 and uh obviously die hard in 88 now, um there was well, also well, something well, else before you uh, conti- before you continue just because it's something yeah. that he just mentioned about uh hans gruber right in the third movie now wait a minute before i continue we are a spoiler-filled podcast, so just a reminder, if you haven't watched Die Hard, go, pause it, go watch it, come back. Also, if you haven't seen Die Hard with a Vengeance, maybe this is something that might be a little spoilery, so just keep that in mind. Um, in the third one, uh, the main uh, uh, villain of the movie is played by Jeremy Irons. He is Hans Gruber's brother, Simon Gruber. <laughs> so yeah, they, they, didn't, they couldn't bring old Hans back, but they did find another Gruber come the third movie. So just throwing that out there, but go ahead, Donnie. Yeah. Um, the Nakatomi Plaza. Um, and this is, you know, I guess something to think about, you know, what, what could have been, uh, but anyway, uh, the Nakatomi Plaza is, uh, that's the headquarters of, uh, 20th century Fox or 20, 20th century. Yes. Uh, Fox, I, I guess Fox, it was Fox, Fox at that Fox, time. Yeah. Is, Fox uh, Plaza is what it was called. Yeah. Um, so th- that was their headquarters. So they could basically, you know, use one of their own, own buildings, you know, didn't have to hold back on any stunts or action sequences, but, you know, in the, uh, in the event that, you know, that was not shot in LA or, you know, shot somewhere else, you know, uh, and they had to, you know, would this have been a different, a different movie or, you know, would it have had a different look or different feel or, you know. It's kind of interesting to think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't change it at all, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. Potential. So yeah, there's tons. Like I said, I mean, we could go on and on. Yeah. I mean, is there anything else to, in particular? I mean, I'm sure we'll bring up some other stuff while we're diving into the movie, but was there anything else you guys wanted to point out before we nah. get into it? No. Let's dive in. I guess there's yeah. one little thing continuing on from what Donnie said about them shooting it in their own building. Was uh, <laughs> I read that they had also... You know, there's a lot. Of course, there's a lot of gunplay in this movie, but uh, they're in there using shooting in their own building. But apparently, the noise was so loud that other people working on other things in the building complained about it. So they still had to shoot a lot of that gunplay footage in the overnights, <laughs> even though it was their own building. You know, just to uh, not interfere with other stuff that was going on 
close to those floors or where they were shooting the action scenes. It's refreshment time. And our refreshment stand is loaded with good things to eat. There's crispy, crunchy popcorn. And hot, delicious, buttered popcorn. Lots of candy. And frosty, refreshing, cold drinks. Why not treat yourself at the refreshment center now? For you, the listeners of the All-American Spook Show podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out the service. So I went over to Audible and I typed in Die Hard. Now, I've got a list of things here, but ironically, none of the McLean books uh, by Roderick Thorpe are on Audible. So you have to go uh, search those out in libraries and bookstores, you know, read them like a normal human being. But uh, there is some <laughs> stuff to listen to over on Audible if, uh, if you'd like to. There's Die Hard with a Vengeance by Deborah Chill. Uh, that one's right at two hours long. So that's clearly a, uh, uh, I guess a novelization of the third Die Hard movie. There's 58 minutes, the basis for Die Hard two by Walter Wager. Uh, that one is just under seven hours long. So that, that might be kind of interesting. Uh, cause I guess it's more of like exactly, uh, maybe comparing, uh, the events of that film that are completely different from this one for sure. Um, you know, to a real life scenario there. So that, that might be kind of interesting. And then, uh, there's a, another random one that has nothing to do with die hard. Old loves die hard. A Mac Faraday mystery by Lauren Carr. And that one's uh, almost eight hours uh, long. So yeah, plenty of options over on audible, like always, uh, just not the Roderick Thorpe, uh, source material, uh, there on audible. But if any of that sounds like it's your bag, go on over to audibletrial.com slash book show again. That's audibletrial.com slash bookshow for your free audio book. So uh, uh, like we normally do here lately, I'll, I'll hop on over to uh, IMDb and I'll uh, click on the plot summaries. All right, so I've got, uh, good Lord, there's a ton. I'm not going to read all of these. There's a lot, but it's surprise, surprise, right? I mean, this is a big movie, so more people are going to try to lend their uh, their thoughts to it. So I'll read a couple and then the bigger one. Uh, the one sentence, you, uh, easy one, is an NYPD officer tries to save his wife and several others taken hostage by German terrorists during a Christmas party at the Nakatomi Plaza in Los Angeles. Uh, this one was uh, put up by Sam on IMDb. NYPD cop John McClain goes on a Christmas vacation to visit his wife Holly in Los Angeles, where she works for the Nakatomi Corporation. While they are at the Nakatomi headquarters for a Christmas party, a group of robbers led by Hans Gruber take control of the building and hold everyone hostage with the expect with the exception of John while they plan to perform a lucrative heist unable to escape with no immediate police response. John is forced to take matters into his own hands. And then we've got, uh, probably the longest one on here. I'll go ahead and read this one. It was submitted by Ridley Levine on IMDb. John McClane is a cop from New York city who is on his way to Los Angeles to see his kids and his wife, Holly, who moved to LA because of a job at the Nakatomi corporation. When he arrives at Nakatomi Plaza, he meets Holly's boss, Joe Takagi, and her co-worker, Harry Ellis. He and Holly go into a private bathroom and get into an argument. When Holly leaves to give a speech, 13 armed terrorists led by Hans Gruber seize control of the building and take the occupants of the 30th floor, who are the only ones left in the building, hostage. Luckily, they miss John and he has to figure out how to save the hostages before the terrorists get their way. So... Yeah, I mean it's it's a pretty uh, simple premise, really. It is, you nope. know, just, just terrorist and one dude uh, that knows how to kick some asses on the loose, and he's got a he's the, he's the only hope. He's got to bring them down. So that's that's your general premise of the movie. And then, you know, does it end happily or or not? Well, you know, SV eighty. So yeah, probably did. Yeah. Right. It, to, to me, the first thing I wrote when I was making my notes while I was watching is it, like, 
this movie is like comfort food for me now. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, I've watched it so many times and it's so familiar to me now. It's just like, it's like sitting down to a bowl of hot soup on a rainy day or something. You know, I don't know how to put yeah. it. It's like, it's just, it's just awesome. It's just, it never gets old. No, it really doesn't. I mean, I've seen it. God, I don't even tell you, tell you how many times I've seen this movie. And honestly, the second one and the third one too, I've seen them a number of times. Yeah. Are, like if I'm, if I'm to. watching, like if I catch it in the, uh, um, you know, if I catch it in the middle of it or, you know, just start of it, if, if I can control it at all, I want, I want to start it over again, but you know, I just, I sit there and you know, it's, it never gets old timeless. Yeah. And, and usually when we talk about any movie, I'll, we always kind of start off with like, well, have you seen this before? I didn't even feel the need to ask that. Right. (laughs) We've all seen this a thousand times, right? (laughs) Not only have we, have we seen this one a dozen times, we've seen all the sequels, you know, a number of times, Although that fourth and fifth one, right, we were having a discussion offline. Like, Smoke, you said you weren't, you, you didn't remember if you've seen those last co- two, I think? I know I didn't see the, the newest, the latest one that came out in 2014 or whatever. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I didn't see the one in 2007 either. Hmm. So, yeah, those two, I still have to watch those. I have to, I have to catch those two still. My record, Maybe we'll do them. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure point. we'll get around to them some way, some, somehow, you know, and, and all the stuff that we do for here, you know, for the podcast and on YouTube. But, um I'd say, you know, if, if you enjoy these movies, at least the first two or three movies, it's worth watching, you know, just at least once. It's worth watching. Yeah. Although my recollection is they're not nearly as good as the first three. So it's, it's kind of, eh, you know, but we're used to meh here on the Spook Show. So. <laughs> you don't say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why it's such a treat to, you know, uh, um, get a classic like this. You yeah. Know. Yeah. We don't, we don't get movies like this very often. We really don't. Um, you know, we've gotten to the point now where we're doing the cult corner and everything. So we do get these kind of movies here on the show, but, uh, yeah, they're the exception rather than the rule. Um, you know, plus, plus we try to spread them out a little bit. So we're not just doing all bona fide classics in a row, which is, which would be great. (laughs) Great for us. As far as like, you know, we didn't, we didn't have to deal with some of the stinkers, but we got to watch the stinkers for the people for, for ourselves and for the people out there to, you know. Yeah, like I said, we took a little all the time. Like I said, we, we took a little break from Colt Corner because of you know we had a lot of stuff lined up for the month of October. But the last Colt Corner that we did before this was Memento, which you know once again another awesome movie. But but the one before that was Summer Camp 1979. So that <laughs> yeah. that gives you the broad scope and spectrum of yeah. of yeah. god awfulness and and goodness that we present here on Colt Corner. <laughs> Yeah, so inevitably, the, you know, these movies that none of us have seen, that, you know, if maybe one or two of us had seen, we'd know, well, this is more for craps repeat. We would know that, but we don't know, know that going into it. So sometimes, sometimes. these movies that are, um, yeah, they're going to be craps repeat material that we just haven't seen. Yeah, sometimes and, you know, it, it catches, it, it reflect. Once again, like Summer Camp 79, that caught us with our pants yeah. down. You know, it was, <laughs> yeah, none yeah. never seen that or knew what it was. Yeah, and, and now we wish we had never seen <laughs> it. It cool, you know. Argyle. Argyle, man. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. Like what, what a great character name. Yeah. You know, <laughs> oh, great you, character. You name. remember it too. Like you'll remember the name and this character, honestly, more than you will the actor that played Argyle, you know? Yeah. Uh, but you know, that's not taking anything away from him. You just, like you said, it's a memorable character, memorable name. And, uh, yeah. it, now, it, Go it, it goes uh, just talking about him and, and, and other things in the movie. It's not so much directed directly towards Argyle, but other things in this movie, how many things that have a setup and a payoff in this movie? 
You know, it's it's so oh, yeah. it's so perfectly done. Yeah. You know, by yeah. not just yeah. the direction, but the the guys that wrote the screenplay and everything. It's so yeah. fucking perfectly done. Like every little thing. The it, guy, the guy, the guy on the plane that tells him like, scrunch your toes up into a ball on the carpet or whatever, and then like later on he does it. And, oh yeah, you know, like just simple, yeah. simple little <laughs> yeah. things like that. You know, all throughout this movie. There's no loose ends. Everything's tied up. Yeah. As yeah. far as, you know, not, plot points, of course, but yeah, those little things that they. As you say, introduced at certain points, they were always followed up, followed through as well. So, yeah, as simple as him uh, um, uh, killing one of the guys and uh, taking his shoes because he doesn't have his shoes on. Right when the shit goes down, he's got his shoes off because of the ball up your feet on the carpet bit. Right. Yeah. So the whole movie is without shoes, but he kills the first guy and he's like. Oh, I picked the one terrorist that has shoes, you know, smaller than my sister's feet or something like that. Yeah. So then, yeah. you know, that sets up the rest of the movie. It's like yeah. his feet are <laughs> as goofy as it sounds are a big part of this movie because throughout you're just like, Oh fuck. You know, like his, his, his feet are getting shredded to hell, like walking through yeah. glass and everything that happens, you know? So like, like you said, every little snippet, every little breadcrumb yeah. along the way all has a payoff or it's also what, you know, we talked about Argyle, a, uh, and he's, you know, going through the features of this limo, uh, fully stocked limo, uh, in 1988 had a CD player, a CB radio, a TV, telephone, full bar, and VHS player. Yep, VHS. Now the the VHS player we don't get. <laughs> there's no real, uh, I guess, payoff there. But you know, each one of almost each one of those uh, components have a you know. Do play a role. Do play yeah, a part. Yeah, some, yeah, some, yeah. Like even the CB, like you know, he realizes oh. and everything. <laughs> I love that he's just sitting in the limo the pretty much the entire movie before he realizes. <laughs> before yeah. he re- he's right up underneath the building that's being held by terrorists. You know, although it is thirty stories I'll... up, right? So you know, you yeah. can forgive him for that. Yeah. <laughs> and that that whole limo scene from the beginning, anyway, is funny too because, like, you know. Like when he gets there and picks him up, he's like, "Oh, I've never driven a limo before. I mean, I, this is this is, I, I'm new at this." And then like you know, Bruce Willis says, "Well, I've never ridden a limo before." And then he gets in the front like a cat or like a you like know, a cab, he yeah. gets in the front with Argyle and just chit chats with him because you know he's he's never ridden a limo. He's getting in the back and do all he, that. So they, it's, that like sets up a whole another their their dynamic, I guess, between yeah. the two of them on the ride there. Because if he's sitting in the back, he's not really going to be conversating with him, you know. <laughs> And, so that kind of set up their dynamic well. And yeah. and that's even paid off in the sense of like a, a, a limo driver that has been doing this for years would probably know like, all right, I need to move on to the next job or whatever the fuck. Right. Like, because, yeah. <laughs> because this dude is new, he's just like, well, fuck, I'll just go hang out. Like he's like, once again, yeah. it's, like, it's like he's a yeah. cab driver. Yeah. And there's uh, you know, also at the end, you know, he said, you know, well, I say at the end, you know, I, um, but yeah, it, I guess Argyle breaks through the, uh, yeah, the cages or whatever. Yeah, the gates. He's like, no, gates, yeah. this one's with me. Yeah, you know. <laughs> By the way, in this in this scenario, right? I'll just add, uh, poking holes once again. In this scenario of a terrorist attack, god awfulness has gone down. The the building has gone to hell. If a limo comes bashing through a gate at the end of this, <laughs> I guarantee you, like he's getting lit up. Like no, every yeah. cop and every federal <laughs> agent are just going to like, pfft, you know, like that whole, he, he, you're not just going to wave it off from one guy. He's with me. No, yeah. that's, that's not the way that's going to end, buddy. Yeah. Argyle's dead. 
God, man, there's so much in there. That, that guy at the uh, the desk, uh, it's not it's not uh, Huey Lewis, right? It's the other guy that Huey <laughs> Dennis Lewis, Hayden. It's the, no, it's, it's, uh, it's the other guy that Huey Eddie. Lewis. No, the, the first guy, the, the guy that Huey oh, Lewis yeah. kills, right? Because oh, remember, yeah. he becomes the the guy at the desk, right? When McLean walks in and <laughs> he makes him look at the monitor to find her name, right? That's where the whole Gennaro, where she changed mm-hmm. her name, that whole scene where she he's at the touchscreen, but then. But then after he's like, uh, uh, oh, it says here they're on floor 29 or 30 or whatever it is. And he's like, oh, yeah, they're the only ones in the building. If they're the only ones in the building, why the fuck did you make him stand there and look that up on that monitor? You can just say, <laughs> all right, well, the only people in the building are. <laughs> so so go yeah. up there instead. <laughs> you make me waste five minutes looking for my wife's name here, buddy. And then right after that, that's where you're introduced to fucking Ellis. Oh, man. You know what? All of it. We either all know an Ellis or have known an Ellis. God, man, what a prick! Yeah. <laughs> you know, but Just like he he plays that part well. Oh, dude, he nails it. Yeah, he's the he's the and there's a couple of I mean, like you know, we'll jump ahead. Fucking Thornburg, right? <laughs> they <laughs> they they really uh, nailed the assholes in this movie, right? And there's a couple oh, other, yeah. you know, obviously all the terrorists and everything, but like they really yeah. nailed just the peripheral assholes in this. William movie. Atherton, yeah, well, who, uh, he, he's yeah. a professional asshole, right? You know, like <laughs> that's just his his gig, and and he's in, always playing the dickhead in movies and television. That's just his thing. Yep. Like, it wouldn't he the same dude in Ghostbusters that like? Yep. Yeah, yeah. See, so there. You yes, go. it's true. This man has no dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, like it's just uh, Thornburg. I mean, uh, well, Thornburg's an ass, you know, and he he gets his, and then uh, he comes back in the. Uh, it's in the second movie. Yeah, I, I was gonna say the third, but no, he's back in the se- in the second movie as well. But uh, yeah, Ellis. I mean, you almost you hate the dude, but you you really you end up feeling sorry for the guy because he's such a overbearing jackass that it costs him his life, you know. <laughs> but yeah. but still, you know. And he, and he plays that stereotype eighties business guy too, right? You know, oh, snorting cocaine, yeah. you know, all about the stocks and making money and everything, you know, just the excess of the eighties as far as money wise, right? Like wall street and all that shit. So he kind of encompasses all those stereotypes as well. Not quite as psychotic as Patrick Bateman from American psycho type. Uh, no, 80s no, that's, no. <laughs> that's a whole different kind of just going to eat shit about the business card. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I, it did make me wish that not, not granted minus the terrorism and getting taken hostage part. Uh, I wish that I could have went to a corporate party like, like that was in this movie, right? Like uh, by the time I come along to like, you know, I, I work in the, uh, in the TV news business, like apparently they used to have parties, maybe, maybe not quite to this extreme. Right. But they used to have parties back then at the holidays where they like, everybody gets dressed up and suits and tuxedos and whatnot and goes to like a, a ballroom or a hotel real, you know, real nice place. And everybody's drinking and, you know, they're having a good time or whatever, right? Like by the time our age comes along and we get to this point where we could do things like this, these things aren't allowed. Like, <laughs> I don't think businesses do these kind of things anymore. Uh, well, actually, yeah, I've, I've, I've been, you know, in, uh, some corporate parties, but like we never really dressed up at all that's what i mean like to just, this extent it always seemed like and maybe this is a bill of goods we get sold for growing up when we didn't watch an 80s movies and shit but it always <laughs> seemed that like oh yeah when you get older yeah you're gonna go to parties everybody's screwing drinking and doing cocaine you know like, yeah. where, i've never been yeah, to it was, anything it wasn't close like, that. <laughs> like the only parties i've ever been to is like well we got some cookies and we've got some punch over there and uh 
um, you know, you get to take, you get to hang out for 20 minutes and you get back to work, you know, <laughs> they got like a whole <laughs> fucking thing going on here. Yeah. Like I said, maybe that's just the eighties bill of goods. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. <laughs> but no, um, God, there's so many lines in here. Oh, you mean the uh, one-liners? Yeah, you yippee motherfucker. Oh, yeah. Um, welcome to the party, pal. Yeah, welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always partial to Roy Rogers, actually. Yeah, cowboy. Mr. Takagi. I always get, uh, I always just get uh, Hans Gerber uh, lines. You know, like, <laughs> that. that's all I ever do when I think about it. I just think about him Him saying, Mr. Takagi. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Doing, doing, oh, yeah. I'm talking about him a little bit, Alan Rickman. Yeah, I think he, this is his first movie. He had just moved to America like a few days before he got the you know offer for this role or whatever. And he, I think he like decided he he wasn't going to take it because it was a you know it was an action role that he thought and a villain in an action movie. And what happened was, yeah, he did get stereotyped for a while. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> getting I mean, the villain roles. Most of movies, it, unfortunately, you know, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, for right. Uh, most of his career was, he was another professional asshole, right? <laughs> Robin Hood, yeah. Prince of Thieves, all those Harry Potter movies. Uh, you know, that's just to name a few, right? There's tons of them. He was always just, a, uh, you know, a snobby kind of dickhead in all of his movies. <laughs> he, he played it perfectly. <laughs> but yeah, man, uh, you know, Sergeant Powell. Oh yeah. Dude, like. How can how can we this generation not see this just fucking Carl right like you know, yeah right from a uh, family matter yeah <laughs> yeah Carl it's from family matter it's hard I mean. it's hard to shake you know yeah even though this is one I, honestly I might have seen this movie maybe before Family Matters I don't remember you know like for me timeline wise I don't remember if I saw this I'm because fairly family, positive family I saw this before. Family Matters was probably what ninety one ish, ninety two, uh, ninety ninety one, ninety two, without looking it up. So like, my point is, is that like, I don't, you know, this isn't the thing that I think of for him, and I'm sure I'm, you know, not unlike most people, you're gonna think of him as the dad next door in Family Matters, but uh, right there next to that, it's this, you know, it's 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 right next to it. Family Matters was eighty nine. Okay, so it's right after this. Yeah, roughly. Yeah. yeah. So odds are probably knowing just how old I was and everything, I probably saw Family Matters first, if I had to guess. But it's mm. probably all in that same time period because I I don't remember the first time I saw Die Hard, but I'd say that's yeah, a little older than it. us, so you probably got to see it for pretty much right away. But like I might have seen it like a year or two later, you know, something like that. Yeah, I ended up I saw it in the theater when it, this one came. Okay, but I was yeah. yeah fifteen or so. Yeah, yeah I probably, I, I'm probably like you, Josh. I probably uh, watched Family I, I Matters. I know first. I didn't see this in the theater. I was eight years old. And my, no. You know, we weren't going to see Die Hard, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't put it past like you know watching it on HBO or something. You know, whenever you know a year late, year or so later, though, I probably might have. So, either way, point is, is that our generation, you're probably going to remember him first for Family Matters and then this. But yeah, he nails it in this. He really does. Although it's probably unlikely in a real life scenario that it would play out like that, right? Wouldn't you think they'd probably just take the microphone away from him? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah especially <laughs> once the FBI got there. Yeah, yeah. He's done. Like they're he's yeah. not talking to him anymore. You know, <laughs> unless yeah. he steals a radio or something and you know gets on another band or something like that. It is funny the 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 conversation and the play back and forth throughout the entire movie is all taking place on like an open channel, right? Like. With the bad guys listening. Yeah. 
you know, like they didn't yeah. give, they didn't give a fuck really either way, right? Plot line wise, like, well, wouldn't the bad guys figure some shit out listening and vice versa? Like, you know, it's pointed out when they kind of figure out some shit listening to the bad guys, the terrorists, right? But mm-hmm. it's not. You don't read so much into throughout the movie of them of the terrorists figuring stuff out about them. They do, right? I mean, it's a part, but like it seems like it played one side more than the other throughout the entire movie. And it took uh, uh, Gruber way too long to figure out that uh, Holly was his wife, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. I mean, it was. God, it was probably the last twenty minutes. Oh yeah, it's it's toward the end. Like, yeah, yeah, last 15, 20 minutes. Cause he finally realizes it and then kind of takes her hostage. And that, that's his last little, you know, thing that he, that he's, you know, trying to, that's his last hope to get out basically. Yeah. And also the way that, uh, um, was, it? Uh, well, you know, John goes on his, uh, you know, McCle- McClane goes on his, uh, I don't want to say rampage, but you know, uh, ends up killing sh- shooting this guy in, you know through the table mm-hmm. uh shooting him in his legs killing him and then strap the uh um i guess just threw him out out of the um yeah they, he broke a window and just threw yeah. him out <laughs> threw him out that, landed on got... uh <laughs> because sergeant powell pulls up you know hey, nothing's going on here and then a damn body f- <laughs> flies <laughs> through his windshield oh shit and then he just backs up like you know, or yeah. you know, he's he puts it in reverse and then goes down a hill and everything. So yeah, I thought that was pretty funny the way he got, he finally got his attention. Like that's how, but even that, it took a that while. Was, like, you know, it's welcome like, to the party too. <laughs> welcome to the party, pal. Yeah, that was where yeah, that came from. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to <laughs> yeah. the party, pal. I mean, like, but if you think about it, dude, like, you know, as long as this movie is, even that scene, that's probably 45 minutes to an hour into the movie before, yeah. you know, before he finally gets some help, quote unquote, from the cops. But I'll tell you what, man, like cutting. this, this, you know, it's just it's perfect pacing because you don't you don't feel an, a minute of like you don't you never really get a chance to you know okay you know just kind of release yeah. yourself because you're yeah. always on on edge from. There's it. a couple of moments of being able to catch your breath. Like remember when he cut his foot up and he's sitting there talking to him on the radio about his. Oh, wife. there's that. But, I mean, but there's a it's, even that's yeah. kind of high intensity because you're watching him take glass out of his foot. So even that, yeah. you know, it's intense, but like you're still, there are brief moments in there where you can kind of like, oh fuck, you know, kind of catch your breath and then bam, you know, you're right back into it. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's the pacing and it's just pretty much nonstop action throughout. I mean, yeah. something's always happening to progress the story forward. Also talking about his feet, I guess we should mention the, uh, the prosthetics. Did y'all, <laughs> you ever noticed those in the movie? Like when he's running across the floor of the glass, he's got, he wore like fake feet over his feet. <laughs> like, yeah, like these feet that look like feet, like bare feet over his. So if you and I, I'd read about, I'd known about this before, but uh, if you watch those scenes a little closely, you can tell that his that those feet are a little bit bigger than his normal feet. Or you know, they're a little bit. You can tell that they're prosthetics if you pay close attention. If you really look at it and those long shot, kind of longer shots yeah. or whatever, when he's running across, you'll notice it now. He, that he's got Hobbit feet. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, it's maybe not, pretty much. I mean, not quite to that extent, but you can tell that they're a little bit on, on that. Yeah, they just don't look quite right. You know, always, <laughs> they're just a little bit bigger. I, mean, I always thought it was badass when he kills. The, what, I think it's when he kills the first guy, and then he he takes the gun or whatever, and then he writes on the guy's shirt and blood. Now I have a machine gun. Ho ho ho! <laughs> yeah, when he put him in the <laughs> that elevator. Was awesome. 
Yeah. Like, I mean, he's just, no, just the entire time. He's just fucking with these guys, you know, like until, you know, they finally start to really strike back. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just so awesome. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing. And, and then how he blows up an entire fucking floor of the building just to get the cops to back off. Cause like the cops are coming, like they think they know better. And he's telling them like, look, these yeah. dudes are professionals. Like you need to back the fuck up. And they're like, ah, oh, we got it. You know, and they're, they're sending in a tank and all this shit. And I mean, they, they do like a fucking, like what, a uh, uh, missile launcher, right? Like twice yeah. like, on the damn, like yeah. little rolling t- RV tank thing or whatever. Yeah. Um, they, they've got some serious, APC. Yeah. But like he, he takes some C4, like, uh, then he tied to a chair or something and push it down the elevator shaft. And then, yeah. Uh, like wraps, it. uh, you know, a fat back monitor to it. Yeah. Yeah. And then pushes it down and it just takes out an entire floor of the building. <laughs> That's how he gets them to back up. That's awesome. How about <laughs> the scene when Gruber finally meets McLean? Like, but, Oh, as but, a, but McLean doesn't know it. Like he doesn't yeah. know that it's Gerber, but the, the, uh, the horrible American accent, so to speak that. Yeah. And you could tell he broke it a couple of times. Yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like he was trying his best, but he couldn't un Alan Rickman himself. <laughs> he just couldn't yeah. do it. That was pretty good, man. <laughs> oh God. Oh God. Help me. <laughs> Don't shoot me. It was at that, it was, it was at that moment that John McLean realized, you know, he's like, I'm giving this motherfucker an empty gun when I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when he, he had the gun, the empty gun, yep. and that one scene where he's trying to shoot him. Like, yeah, and then um, uh, McLean, you know, McLean versus Carl. Yeah, well, um, that, that's one that of the whole, big. That's one of the big buildups because I think the first guy he takes out is like Carl's brother, right? His brother. So yeah. now, like, yeah. he's he's kind of on his own side mission to take this dude out because he killed his brother, and then it finally comes to a head, and they have the, probably the biggest epic fight of the movie. Yeah, because, you know, Even, McLean and Gruber, there wasn't really a fight. Not but really. No, it was I mean, a like, struggle. Yeah, there was a fight. little bit of a struggle, and then it just kind of ended in an epic way. Whereas, like, yeah. the biggest fight, yeah, was was with this dude, yeah. and then he ends up, now hanging, the, he ends up hanging him. <laughs> my favorite part of that is when, <laughs> when Carl tries to karate chop. He tries to karate chop John McLean. <laughs> and it was just, like, it was so, like... I don't know. It was just hilarious. It made me laugh. It just <laughs> really, what the hell was the point of this group, anyways? Like they made it seem like they had some grand plan, right? And maybe that was Hans Gruber's cover was like, you know, uh, release members of Asian Dawn and all this shit, right? You know, they, they had the yeah. a lot of red herrings and blah blah blah. But ultimately, they yeah. were just there to steal money, right? Yeah, basically. I think. Yeah, in, yeah. I think and, in the end, he's like, "That's what this was all about." <laughs> yeah, their plan was to what? It was like six hundred and something million dollars. I think it was what he was saying that would be like like that along those lines. And then they planned to blow up the building (laughs) or partial part or whatever it was, you know, to use the C4 to blow up certain part of the building to make it look like they were killed so that they wouldn't be hunted down after the fact. Yeah. And that was the (laughs) whole roof chopper explosion, which is an epic fucking scene where they blow up, basically blow up up the roof, right. With all that C4. And then they blow up the, the helicopter that's that the FBI helicopter that had landed there. And, uh, and then it rolls down the side of the building and everything. I mean, it's an epic, you know, just, if you just like yeah. big explosions and action movies and just, you know, all hell yeah. breaking loose, it's an epic scene. Now also, uh, the fire hose scene, uh, with the, the rooftop. Um, yeah, that was, yeah, that, and it's just a fun scene. Yeah. Man. <laughs> you, you have you know, to like call it what it is. Is it unlikely? Yeah, probably. But is it fun? Hell yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like. 
there, there was a couple of things in there. Like, remember when he goes down the elevator shaft with, and he puts the gun in the in the door or whatever, and then like he kind of goes down to the next level with just the strap from the gun. You know, <laughs> yeah. like All right, no, I don't know. Uh, yeah. mm. <laughs> mm. There's a few. There was there was a few there, was a, um, there was a show, and it was a long. I want to say it was a long time ago. It's probably at least maybe fifteen, and maybe at least fifteen years ago. But it was just like it was. You know what? It wasn't MythBusters, but it was something before Miss MythBusters, and it was like uh, things that you've seen on screen. Could it happen? Mm-hmm. You know, for real, and that would be one of the things. Then <laughs> would you be like, no? There's no yeah. way. <laughs> no, it's probably impossible. Um, no. But is there any moment more epic and more memorable other than from this movie, other than say, yippee motherfucker, you know, some of the quotes, than, yeah. than Hans Gruber falling to his death? I mean, like, dude, that that is like a Hollywood pitch reel scene. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> and it's, and, and, and I guess we could take a minute to, to mention just how well shot this movie is. I mean, it just looks awesome, and it it even holds up. How many ever years it's been later? What is this? Thirty five years later, whatever the hell yeah. you know, knocking on it, it holds up. I mean, it looks great. It looks like something that was shot, you know, other than just the datedness of it, right? You know, the, yeah, yeah. The, the the yeah, forget the and, technology yeah, and all. Put that, that to yeah. the side. I mean, it looks like something that was just shot, you know, in the last few years. I mean, it it just looks great. Yeah, like all of the all of the action scenes, you know, I mean, everything still holds up. I mean, I watched it on the, uh, the, the Blu-ray. This was the 25th anniversary Blu-ray that came out, you know, a handful of years back. And um, I watched it on a 4K player. So maybe that upscaled it a little bit, but I mean, it looked great. It really did look great. And that and that scene, getting back to the point, that scene yeah. of uh, Gerber falling and everything is just so, so well shot and it just still looks awesome to this day. And I, and I didn't really d- dig deep into the technicalities on how they pulled that off. But Actually, it, it I looks really know good. about it. Um, they were uh, they were shooting, they were shooting. Uh, you know, Alan Rickman. Uh, they were they had a hold of them, and then they said, "Okay, we're going to let you go on the count of three. And they said one, and then they let him go. So that uh, so you get that, that genuine oh shit, oh shit, like <laughs> reaction from him. Yeah, and, uh, and you can see like, it in his face. I mean, like so. Yeah. That explains why it's just not that he was a good actor and he was, but it's genuine. Uh, yeah. Uh, genuine shock. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it really is like, like I said, a Hollywood pitch reel type of moment. Like you're just showing random scenes from the best Hollywood movies ever made. Yep. That's, that might be in that pitch reel. You know what I mean? That, that, that highlight reel, so to speak of just great moments, great shot moments. Just perfect. Perfect. I mean, you want the, you want this guy to get it so bad that when you finally get it, it's like, yeah, there we go. You know, yeah, it's yeah. perfect, it's perfect. Yeah, yeah. talk about the, you know setup and payoff. Yeah, and once again, the the setup of uh, of Powell, right? Like, yeah, they they planted the seeds where he talked with McLean about like how why is Shooting he the kid? yeah why is he uh, a, a flat foot so to speak? You know, why is he doing this? And it's because he accidentally shot a thirteen year old kid, so he's been busted down to the street again or whatever, and you get the final moment at the end when <laughs> Carl comes back from the dead. I mean, you just kind of assume <laughs> Carl got hung by chains. He's dead. Yeah. Nope. Motherfucker comes raging out of there like a zombie. Uh, but Carl, I mean, not Carl, uh, Powell was the one that took Carl down, you know, like mm-hmm. he pulls the gun out and bam, you know, he, he took him out. So that was the last big moment other than, yeah, Holly, he, other than Holly punching Thornburg, right? That was the, 
Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, Powell had actually uh, said when, when he was talking with, uh, McLean, he said, um, I haven't been able to draw my weapon on anyone since. Yeah. So it made, it made yeah. that moment even, you know, yeah. as corny and cliche as it could have been. Right. Uh, you still were like, fuck yeah. You know, like there's like at least three or four times there at the end where you're like, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Fuck yeah. You know, like, <laughs> everything just pays <laughs> off perfectly, man. Like right at uh, the end, you know, yeah. it, it ends the way you want it to end. And it, it literally ends with, uh, you know, John gets his woman back and they get in the limo. Right. And you, know, you got a happy ending. So yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome movie. Smoke, I guess we'll start with you. Uh, we'll go ahead and get into the star ratings. What, what are you, what are your thoughts and what's your star rating on it? It's a, it's a bona fide classic. I mean, they didn't put it into the library of Congress for nothing, which we didn't mention that in the show, but this movie's actually been admitted into the library of Congress, Congress for being a, culturally aesthetically and whatever you know this yeah, yeah, piece of sentiment art so it so it grows it i don't know what the list of movies are that are in the library of congress i'm sure it's probably pretty extensive but i mean but but they're all of some sort of cultural value you and know, there's probably not a movie. whole bunch of 80s action movies in there oh yeah, probably, yeah. Probably i know not. for a fact night of the living dead is in there because i've yeah. read about that one being in there. uh so yeah there's and I, I, I would be shocked if citizen kane wasn't in there or whatever you know so i'm sure there's yeah. a bunch of Various, you know, bona fide classic masterpieces. Yeah, that, just the uh, fact that, that Die Hard is sharing the same room with some of those movies is like, wow, yeah. that's <laughs> that should speak volumes. Yeah. So yeah, this is this is a perfect action flick. I mean, well, it's, it's got everything in it that an action flick should have, other than action too. It's got good drama, it's got tension, it's got excellent acting by everybody that I can think of in this movie. Not just the main people, you know, what you expect, but all the incidental actors are great too. So. And I could watch this over and over again. Have you know? I don't. I don't know what the count is. And I've seen this one. But it, but if the movie could do that, if you could, I, I could sit down like after we were done with this and watch this again. I mean, it would. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be anything for me to do that. You know, to watch it all over again from the beginning. I can watch and look for other things. Look for Bruce Willis's oversized feet in the glass thing. <laughs> <laughs> now, before you get into the writing, I will add real quickly. This is Colt Corner, so. The scale is a little different than, say, our normal scale, you know, when we talk about horror movies, you know, every other week. And, of course, you know, all the other things that we do. But in specific to, like, you you are actually free to compare Die Hard to, say, Godfather or Citizen Kane and shit like yeah. that. You know what I mean? Like, you are free to actually compare it in a fair, even playing field kind of way. So, with that in mind, go ahead. Yeah, that's... And with that in mind, like, and even if we're doing this on the show, on our regular show, I mean... If it were horror, whatever the case, but it would still get a really high and super. It'd be up there. It'd be way up there. So, uh, but yeah, like you said, we, we it's kind of it's not necessarily as much of a sliding scale as Cannon Fodder or some of the other things we do, but it is. You know, the Colt Corner is a little bit graded, a little bit higher or lower, <laughs> depending on yeah. what the movie. You know, summer camp. What it, what it is, how good or terrible it might be. This one is way up there, though. Of course, this is top notch action. I can't, for the cold corner especially, I can't go any lower than a five. It is a quintessential action film and a quintessential cult film, even though it's a Hollywood blockbuster. I mean, you know, we could have that argument. Oh, is it a blockbuster? Is it still a cult film? This is, this is you know, especially now at this point we're in, this is a cult film. To and me, it's also a Christmas movie, so yeah. So there's that. <laughs> in my mind, and once again, I think, you know, it, it, it bears repeating that, look, this is our show. We make the rules. Right, but... um. I think they're not mutually exclusive, right? You, you, it can be a blockbuster and a cult movie. And I think this is an example of it. Like, because the fans of this movie are 
rabid about it. You know, like they love these type of movies and they, and you know, they're the ones that mm-hmm. go, go see Die Hard 4 and 5 too, even though those aren't, you know, compared, but you know, it's got fans. It's got a rabid core following of fans. So I think in that regard, it kind of falls into that cult category, but um, yeah, Donnie, what are, what are your thoughts? On- Certified classic. It's still timeless, you know, still, still relevant, uh, man. This this movie is I love this movie and my rating is going to reflect it. Smoke's pretty much said it all. Uh, not much left to, uh, you know, I would echo his sentiments as well. Um, and I will echo his rating as well and give it five stars. This is rare air, but I think we're going to agree. Um, and I don't hand out I don't hand out fives. I really mm. don't. But I'm going to here. I mean, this this really is like as far as action movies are concerned. You know, this is top notch. I mean, th- yeah. Are there some that I like better? There, there might be a few, you know, but dude, this one's, this one's top five for sure for me as far just just specific to action films, maybe even top three for me. I mean, it's, it's way up there. High marks. I mean, it's, it's, it's perfect. It's perfect for everything it, it wants to be. It delivers. So, I mean, what more can you say? Uh, so that, that means that we've got a consensus of five stars across the board. So, you know, until we get Will's thoughts. You know, you never know what he might feel, but I, I'm pretty sure he's going to feel, he may not feel five, but he's going to feel pretty high, you know, mm. along with us. I'm sure he's not too far off, but, um, we don't do the kill count. We don't do the gore score because this is cult corner, but we do have. Donnie, where's the cult connections? Come oh, on, man. I remember when you pulled that out the first uh, the first time. It was, it was actually the Warriors when we uh, we did that one. Yep. Uh, yep. Good stuff. Oh, this this will keep going, so I'll go ahead and uh, <laughs> appreciate it. I'll yeah, go ahead and wrap thanks. it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah. So uh, yeah. So I I guess it was uh, before the uh, uh, before the show before we started recording. Um, I had mentioned I kind of had a maybe a surprising uh, connection, um, but yeah. So. Uh, if you're joining us on this, uh, you know, on, on this episode, uh, what we do with uh, cult connections, um, crook connections, and also crack connections, mm-hmm. um, and canon yeah, connections, canon uh, uh, what we do is we take the current the current uh, film, uh, the current movie episode, and we connect it uh, via cast and crew to past spook show episodes. Um, so with this one actually is a more, he's more of a bit player bit actor um but he's you know his uh, his setup is payoff uh throughout uh you know the movie uh the bit uh the businessman in the at the beginning of the movie where uh he's sitting on the plane uh beside John McClane uh the actor's name is Robert Lesser uh and he was uh in a past book show episode of the monster squad where he played Eugene's dad. And also he was a, uh, he was in Christmas evil where he played a detective. <laughs> so yeah, definitely uh, check those out in the, uh, spook show archives. You know, I, I uh, don't re- remember him from Christmas evil. I don't, but I do remember him from monster squad. Now that you say that, I don't uh, know the face. Yeah. yeah. And on the, uh, on the crew side, Joel Silver, producer. Um, he was uh, also a producer of previous Spook Show episodes, uh, House of Wax, The Warriors, 
our first Colt Corner episode. Um, and Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight, the mm-hmm. mashup episode we had with Cinema 9 podcast. So yeah. All of that is in the archives if that, you want to check. That's a little unsurprising. I think he had something to do or a lot to do with uh, the Tales from the Crypt series. Mm, yeah. I think so. Yeah, there we go. So like I said, we don't do the kill count and the gore score and everything like that. But needless to say, if there was a gore score, it'd probably be per- pretty high for, you know, just for what happens in the movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's that, that's one thing that this movie definitely didn't skimp on. And uh, that can be said for a lot of R-rated movies in the 80s. But this one really pushed that, I think, uh, pushed the violence level and the blood. I mean, how many blood squibs were there in this oh. movie? There's a, there's a lot of blood yeah. squibs in this movie. That what did I say? Uh, the budget was, like really splattery blood squibs too. Yeah. What did I say? The budget was twenty eight million. I, I want to say it was what yeah. we. Yeah, they probably spent about twenty million of that on blood. Yeah, and blood squibs. And then and just this else. whole like the glass scene. I mean, yeah. whose ever idea that was? Right? That was that was yeah. Yeah, that was, it's some good stuff. It's some it's some was, cring, it's some cringy yeah. shit, especially with the feet. Right, real cringy. <laughs> yeah. Oh fuck, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's awesome movie. Great. I mean, that I mean. Five stars. What more can you say, right? I mean, it's fucking awesome. Um, great way to kick off the holiday season, too, with this one, I think. Great way. Uh, but with that being said, next week, episode 137, we're going to be talking about an older Christmas movie, but that's all we can tell you right now because uh, as of the recording of this, we haven't all come together and decided exactly what we're going to be watching just yet next week. So look to uh, aaspookshow.com. Look to the socials. We'll make some announcement about uh, what's coming up. Cause we need to kind of put our heads together and figure out how we're going to play through the holidays here. But we've got needless to say, we, we've got a couple things lined up. We know what we're going to be doing. We just need to kind of come together and make sure we're all on the same page. And then we'll make some announcements on that. So, um, really, I guess that's about it for this week, guys. This, uh, the latest cult corner was a lot of, a lot of fun. So stick with us throughout the, the entire Christmas season. We got lots coming up. Hopefully will can join us for it next week. Hopefully he's feeling better. And, uh, hopefully you've all, uh, come down from your, uh, what is that in Turkey smoke tryptophan, whatever it is where you, oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you start passing out and falling asleep and stuff like that from a, hopefully you've kicked, you've kicked off all the Thanksgiving stuff. You're shaking that off and you're, and you're, you're doing your shopping and you're getting ready for Christmas. So, uh, it all, it all starts in earnest now. So for, uh, Will who couldn't be with us, Donnie, professor smoke, I'm Josh. We are from the all American spook show podcast and we'll talk to you next week. As you leave the theater folks, please be careful. Don't let this happen to your car be sure to remove the speaker before you leave if you should accidentally pull a speaker loose please turn it in at our snack bar or box office thank you